What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you so much for listening to DNVR Biz. For the 95% of you that are listening to this through a mobile device, I would really appreciate it if you opened up that app right now and gave this a five-star review. It's the only way for this podcast to become more visible and reach more people. Thanks again. Welcome to DNVR Biz. This is Brandon Spano, and we have another terrific interview today. Andrew Amott the founder of StravaCraft Coffee. It is a CBD coffee that is taking the world by storm. No hyperbole. They're now on six continents and taking calls and emails from countries all over the world trying to get their hands on this coffee. If you listen to other DNVR podcasts, you hear us talking about StravaCraft Coffee all the time. They're a great partner of ours. Our entire team drinks it. We're about to be stocking it here at the bar. So it's a really incredible product. And Andrew has just done an amazing job building this. About the same time that we started building BSN Denver, we were about a year before them. So it's been incredible to see what they've grown. Okay, let's jump to the book of the day. The quote of the day, I should say. A new book, Skin in the Game. This one is by Nassim Taleb, absolutely just an incredible author and really just has a, a super impressive look at the world. I think when I think of Nassim Taleb, almost similar to Naval Ravikant, probably my two biggest influences, you know, with, with guys like this, nobody's safe. And, and that means that this is really coming from a purely independent look at the world uh, the way that you know they believe that it should be and for whatever reason these ideologies fall very close to me this book in in general is about the way that we look at people that have skin in the game versus the way that we look at other people and and this is obviously business centric uh, in this because that can be taken in a lot of different contexts but the way I look at it is, you know, in the real world, bus drivers, plumbers, dentists, they aren't allowed to be wrong, right? They have skin in the game. There is risk involved in every action there. What Nassim talks about is like, be careful taking advice from someone who bears no risk while constructing these new ways for you to live. Essentially, it's neither good nor bad for them, but if it goes wrong, it's bad for you. And so uh, I think that we see a ton of that, not necessarily trying to uh, call out anybody, but I, but I do think that in this world that we're living in right now, we see a ton of pontification on social media that could be detrimental to people depending on how things go. And I'll leave this last quote, which I thought was really strong. People who are not morally independent tend to fit ethics to their profession rather than finding a profession that fits their ethics. Okay, let's go to the stock market here. There's no stock of the day. Literally, there's no stock of the day. Nothing on my watch list. Uh, Dow is down 205. It's down almost a full point. The NASDAQ is down a point and a half. It's down 134. S&P 500 is down. So 
This is a rough day. Everything is essentially down. There's a couple stocks that are up, but they're up after getting bludgeoned over the last couple months, like Norwegian Cruise Lines or Delta. So, you know, that's money coming in looking for for the, you know, these are cheap and, and someone's assuming that these are going to make a big comeback a couple of years from now. Nothing to note, though. Uh, Grayscale, who was the stock of the day yesterday, is continuing to do fine. And that's because Bitcoin's continuing to do fine. Before we go that, though, quick update on Netflix. We talked about Netflix when it hit damn near 550 and it's came back down. It's 489. Now, that's still extremely high for a stock that six months ago was 288. So, uh, I mean, it's it's still flying high, but it came down a little bit from that high it was at a couple weeks ago. Bitcoin continues to go up, up, up 11,051.20 as of right now, which is about four o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. So, Boy, um, those Bitcoins, the, the, the Bitcoin price is just, when it gets on these runs, a lot of people make a lot of money. Okay, hey, that is it for today. Let's jump to the interview with Strava Craft Coffee founder, Andrew Amott. I stay working, I stay working, I stay working. Frustration and tears, pushing with no fears. Phone still ringing after all these years. You want it free, don't call my number, call here. But if you're talking about spinning paper, I'm all ears. I told you, it's only one, the rest is imitations. Caden raised up at least two generations. My plate is full, stacked up, unlimited work. I'm asking for seconds and I ain't even finished my first. I'll be on the floor while you're watching me from the bleachers. People trying to reach us, seeking concerts. All right, Andrew. Hey, thanks for jumping on here, man. Appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy. My pleasure, Brandon. It's good to see you. Yeah, yeah, you too, man. Uh, we're really excited to get uh, yeah, the DNVR Nuggets guys on uh, the post-game show last night. We're kind of sending subliminal, so some some kind of below-the-belt shots uh, to me saying, hey, we need to get this in the bar. Why don't we have this in the bar? So I know that was, that was kind of directed right at me. So we got to get one of those cold brew kegs in the bar immediately, hopefully. Maybe we, by this weekend. We're doing – you know what we are? We're doing a Nuggets watch party this weekend that is – it's an early game, so we're doing brunch and mimosas. We should have – Stravacraft keg there. I think we can make it happen you that should, fast. You, you should ask us to make a keg of CBD infused Strava coffee, cold brew. It's fantastic. Wow. And if you ask nicely, I think we can get it done by then. Okay. That's amazing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Stravacraft coffee. It's uh, the, the, it's a lot like DNVR in the sense we started around the same times. It's kind of this, the little engine that could, and you just survive as long as you can. And then boom, one day you're, you're bigger than anticipated and there's people all over the world watching you in our case and in, and in your case, drinking you. So tell us the story of uh, Strava Craft Coffee. It would be my pleasure. Like you said, you know, you guys have grown up in the same time period that we have. Uh, we started the business about five years ago. It'll be five years in September. And my business partner, Kevin, and I started what we envisioned to be just a small specialty roaster based here in Denver. Denver's got an amazing coffee scene. There is some tremendous talent here in Denver on the coffee roasting, some incredible local independent cafes run out of Denver. And so we really wanted to be a part of that scene. 
And, you know, the, the, the piece that really piqued my interest was that coffee itself is such a global commodity and it gives you reason to travel to different parts of the world. And that was really exciting for me. But as a, you know, as a new business, as a small business, you know, all the action takes place, just putting in those hours, you know, making connections, building distribution, you know, getting product out to consumers, listening to feedback, as, as you, I'm sure, can attest, it's a grind. And uh, kudos to you guys for making it here. I'm proud that, that we have made it this far as well. And it's a really exciting time for us because literally the world is our coffee cup. We're, we're talking to people on, on six continents right now. And it's, that's super exciting for a small company based in Denver. Yeah, yeah. But before we get to some of that stuff, which is um, always super exciting to talk about the, the, the real high level, the, the big time stuff, distribution and everything. Let's talk about some of the smaller days. You know, can you walk me through maybe uh, a couple of the hardships or maybe one time that, you know, you guys with backs against it, weren't sure if you're going to make it and you kind of figured it out? <laughs> I, I can certainly tell you the first instance of that, and, and as you as you suspected, there's many. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, yeah. The, the first the first answer, honestly, or the first experience was very early on. We started September 2015. Kevin and I made a trip over to East Africa to really get to know one of the you know one of the world's premier coffee growing regions. Some connections we had over there. And we saw the process from the farm to the communities to the, you know, to the processing and the international shipment. And we were, we were at the very beginning, as I said, focused on just doing amazing traditional specialty coffees. And, you know, a few months later, you know, our friends and family bought our coffee, but nobody else did. And we were kind of facing a, you know, facing, uh, you know, the first, the first challenge, which was how do we distinguish ourselves from, you know, the dozens of amazing roasters in Denver or the hundreds and thousands of great roasters around the country. And that led us on a journey to investigate hemp. And that, that was the turning point. And it, you know, it, it took a moment of, of, of uh, you know, questioning the path and a moment of concern over whether we'd make it that, that forced us to broaden, to, to really broaden our, our thinking. And uh, we ended up embracing something that's turned into a really pretty amazing business. So you launched as a standard coffee and then you pivoted to a CBD coffee after launch. It, exactly. Um, and, and to be honest, right, CBD coffee didn't exist before we created it and brought it to market. So it, it wasn't a choice when we started. It was just something that we evolved into and we fully embraced it. And I'm so glad that we did. Would you say you invented CBD coffee? Were you guys the first CBD coffee? I would say that we invented our own CBD coffee. There, there was a Boulder company that created a CBD coffee around the same time. I think we both got different approaches. I'm especially proud of the approach that we took because we deliver an amazing cup of coffee that has the benefits of CBD. And it's something that consumers can just enjoy and feel good about. And I'm really proud that, yeah, we did. We did invent that. We did bring that to market. That's really special. Right now, you guys are working on and, 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 and looking at potentially launching a subscription model. Can you talk about that, the thinking behind that? And, you know, this is something that we at one point had to make the decision to do also. And it's been a long journey. We've, we've gotten pretty good at it now, though. But I'd love to hear your, your version of this. 
My pleasure. So subscriptions are something that we've had in mind for a while. Frankly, we've had it in mind for a couple of years. And subscriptions are a, they're really a great tool both for businesses and consumers because it'll, it provides convenience to consumers. It allows them to you know, automate and, and, and get fresh products delivered on their own schedule. And for businesses like ours and for many other coffee roasters, you know, it, it helps to create certainty and predictability. And you know, both of those are advantageous for a small business to have. You mentioned subscriptions coming soon, but in fact, we, we announced them today. We've had them live for a couple of weeks. We've had, we've had our customers testing it out and um, giving us feedback. And we've, we've fixed the problems and feel that it's ready. And uh, just today, we made an announcement to all of our followers, all of our customers, that those are now an option on our website. And many have started to take advantage of that. And we expect that to, to really, be a, um, really be an avenue of growth for us as a business and a great tool again for our customers to get what they want in a, in a simplified way. You talked to me earlier about scaling this, uh, being approached by retailers all across the world, uh, sitting on six continents. Uh, so let's, let's talk about that. Let's start locally though. How did you handle distribution as a small two-person startup? And then how are you handling distribution now and, and if you have to get into you know production there at some point or whatever this is this is way past my pay grade uh, at this point <laughs> talking about distributing physical products so i'll let you take it from here but but i'm interested in the process and how you grew it uh, yeah i'd be happy to happy to go into that and as you alluded right when you start you just drive products to where they need to go that's right that's right uh, kevin and i did a lot of driving coffee out to cafes and, and dropping it off for customers when we started, we were very much focused on the, the local cafes, the independent operators here in Denver that are really incredible. Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, two really exceptional local businesses. And they've been with us near the, from near the beginning. We've also always had a pretty strong online presence, so a, a B2C or business to consumer. And that's allowed us to reach out across the country to friends, family, and others who you know, found themselves searching for the products that we made. And as we've grown, we've simply increased the, the quantity of our production. We've been able to step up the quality and the, the quality control that we put into our products. We've, we've sourced better and better hemp as an ingredient. And you know, right now we're just in the middle of you know, that, that reckoning with a small business that has great potential. We, we operate here in Denver, we produce everything here in Denver, but we're starting to project out to you know, order quantities that are gonna exceed our ability to produce here right. in our small facility. So we're, we're branching out. You know, we're starting to think about a second production facility and where that might belong, where that would be advantageously located. We're starting to, as we discussed, we're starting to talk with more distributors. Mm. Um, who have connections with retailers and they've got, you know, personnel and, and equipment to deliver products uh, directly into the retail channels. You know, I, I think for, for a lot of us who, who haven't grown up or really worked in consumer products, you know, the scale that our country, let alone the world operates at is, is really staggering. You know, it's, it's one thing as a small business to drop off coffee to half a dozen local cafes. It's another entirely to, to even have the opportunity of delivering product into tens of thousands of locations 
which is what you know many national retailers here in the U.S. you know have in their portfolio. So how do we go from a dozen or two dozen customers to hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands? Fortunately, we have that opportunity. There's interest in the brand. There's interest in the products, and you know, as a small business, we're having to entertain those conversations and figure out how we're going to grow to meet that opportunity. And you know, let there be no doubt, we are going to grow to meet that opportunity, and it's going to be incredible. Let's talk about money. This is the one that a lot of people always ask me about, and and, and they're interested about, and. You know, at, at DNVR, we've really had a mixed approach. Uh, we bootstrapped at the beginning, and then a couple of years in, we did SBA. And then a couple of years after that, we started taking some angel money. And so we really have kind of a hodgepodge of, of uh, you know, our own money, uh, debt, and equity raised. How have you driven the boat here in terms of, of capital? Did you guys go to a profitable, you know, try to drive profitability right from the beginning and run it based on that? Or did you raise some debt or equity? That's, uh, that's actually a great question. And if we, if we look back to the very beginning, uh, as I alluded to early, you know, we started out with a vision of being a specialty coffee roaster, right? Keeping our, keeping our expenditures pretty low, just building a small business, you know, which is a linear kind of a linear, a linear trajectory. And we set out to build a profitable business from day one. Mm. But as soon as we, as soon as we latched onto the idea of hemp, you know, we had to invest. And so we did invest a considerable sum of our own money Mm. to develop the products, develop the IP and develop products to bring to market. And then we further invested in, in marketing those. And I'm glad we did because, you know, I think we've got we've got an incredible opportunity in front of us and you know, we might still be a startup, but we've got five years of execution, you know, behind us. Yeah. I love that. You know, as you guys probably experienced, you know, money, money doesn't just fall out of the, it doesn't just fall out of the skies. You've got to earn it. And if you want to, if you want to take capital from investors, whether that's debt or equity, you need to have a plan. You need to have your finances in order. You've got to have a sound business plan. You've got to be able to execute. You've got to be able to share your vision with them. And so we've spent the last two years investing in the growth of this business, investing in the products and the processes, and we're starting to see that pay off. We've put in all the hard work, I think, and we've got something pretty special. And we're in conversations right now with private investors and we're looking to bring in capital to step this up and, and yeah. be able to deliver to six continents. Yeah. And if we can find a phone number of somebody in, in, in Antarctica, we'll sell to them too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, that's such an interesting, that whole fundraising thing is so interesting. Like you early on, you know, I had just gotten to a point where I had found success buying and selling media in the traditional spaces, TV and radio. And like you, I was so sure of what we were doing over here that I just ended up putting everything that I was making into this thing. Uh-huh. Um, I know how that goes. Yeah. And then eventually you just look and you're like, holy shit, I put a lot of money into this thing. And, and then you grow it. And then, you know, uh, again, there's different points that, you know, we look at them as like different levels and like, okay, well, this next level, we're going to have to bring on, on money. If we want to go to, you have to bring in capital, if you want to go to the next level, mm-hmm. it's tough, it's tough. But 
you know, the thing about uh, growing is that you need resources to grow. And, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of times profitability and growth just don't go hand in hand. You know, uh, sometimes you just, Very true. sometimes you just have to say, Hey, look, look at, you know, if we want to get to X, Y, and Z profitability is just probably not in the cards right now because we've got to get everywhere immediately, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's, it's, it's a tough balance. It's a tough act, you know? It is. But I, I think that if you have a, if you have a, if you've got a vision, if you've got a great idea and that there's I'm kind of fumbling over my words here, but so long as your vision is big enough, grand enough, right? So long as it's going to take you five, 10, 20 years to get there, you know, that's plenty of room to, to work towards, to invest your own time and money, but there's plenty of room there for others to see the vision that you have to, you know, align themselves behind you, supporting you with their resources and, 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 and you guys get there together. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So many, I I was only going to say that that so many of the great brands that we're surrounded with, you know, they've either been around for decades or they're recent brands that were extremely well-funded, you know, and purchased their way to the forefront. You know, that's how, that's how Uber and Lyft and many of these other consumer brands, you know, that are on the tip of our tongue, that's how they came into existence. And, you know, we obviously didn't start with, with, with 200 million in capital, but I'm pretty proud of the small sum that we started with, uh, the opportunity that we're chasing and, and the value that we're delivering to our customers. I'm really proud of all of that. Yeah, I, I love that. Let's pivot over to marketing. So let's talk about that. Outside of, you know, doing ads on, on DNVR and us driving you know, coupons and, and, or I should say, uh, driving promo codes over to Strava Craft Coffee, which we do plenty of that over the years. What else do you guys do? Is that your only kind of front facing media buy? Do you other do other media buys? Do you rely on social? Like walk us through the marketing of a physical uh, product. I'll definitely do that. But Brandon, I want to share with you that as I told Lindsay this morning, uh, you guys are one of the only groups that we we continuously advertise with, and that's because you've been a successful advertising partner for us. And honestly, I think the reason or one of the reasons for that is that your entire team loves our coffee, um, <laughs> and they're not they're you know they're not shy about sharing that with your viewers and and your audience. And so we're we're extremely grateful that we've created something that your team enjoys and enjoys sharing with others. And uh, truthfully, this partnership has, has worked out very well for us. We're extremely proud of, you know, of, of you and the team and what you do. And you awesome. know, just, just couldn't be happier. It doesn't prevent me from giving Lindsay a hard time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Hey, that's uh, what she's there for. <laughs> but outside of, outside of DNVR, we've, we've had mixed results. We've done a lot of, you know, done a lot of experimentation. Because we work in hemp and CBD, some traditional channels are off the, off the table. Sure. Right? So Google, uh, Google AdWords, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube type of social media or, or digital advertising is just not an option right now. So we've, we've really relied on word of mouth, on in-person events, a little bit of press here and there has helped us out. And in fact, I don't know if you've, I don't know, I don't know if your audience, you know, some of them may have seen us here, but there was a film put out on Netflix a couple of years ago in the fall of 2017. The film is called The Legend of 420. And parts of that film were shot here in Colorado, in Denver. And I was interviewed and included in that, in that feature-length film. 
And as soon as that hit Netflix in December 2017, things went crazy. Wow. Um, and that was a huge, huge boost for us. That's it, cool. It felt great. It kept us busy for months. Um, and we still see residual opportunities coming out of that. A lot of the international inquiries that we get, you know, are opened with, I saw you guys on The Legend of 420 on Netflix. That's great. That is and, great. you know, it's three years later. And it's, yeah, it's still crazy. having a really positive effect. So never, never let an opportunity pass you by. That was one that could have slipped through our fingers. It, it didn't, and I'm so grateful that we took advantage of it. Yeah, that really shows the power of marketing inside of content. And I know that that wasn't marketing, but but that's that's your brand being represented inside of actual content, not you know uh, an ad that is penetrated during an ad break or something like that. Like that stuff's really. And I think that yeah. you know to kind of go back, not to scratch our own backs, but what we do is we say. Okay, so what are brands that can be accepted by us in our community? And if you look across DNVR, whether it's DraftKings or Breckenridge Brewery or Strava Craft Coffee or whatever, like the, these are all brands that can be accepted by the community. And then, you know, we stretch these across the entire platform and we say, this is who are, this is who we are, this is what we drink, or this is what we use, this is where we go. And then all of the people that listen and engage with us, they end up going there and doing that or drinking that or using that as well. And it's just a really organic thing. And, and I, and so I, I, I'm always, uh, that's, I think that that's like the modern day way to brand and, and to do brand partnerships. And that's what we call them like brand partnerships, because, you know, that's like what these are. They're not necessarily like these hard ad buys, these kind of arms deals that you would do and, uh, you know, uh, radio. They're genuine, right? Relationships yeah, like yeah. the one that we have with DNVR. Right. It's, it's genuine, not, right. with, not just with the brand, but with the people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so have you guys utilized like any email conversion or anything like that? You know, what do you do on social? You do have a community. So I'm interested in learning how you built the community. Brandon, those are great questions. And uh, we do have a great, we have a community of, of, of customers and partners, et cetera. And it's a fantastic community. They're, they're all very supportive. They love the product. They believe in us. They appreciate the work that we put into the brand and the products. You know, we come to work every day to make sure that we're delivering something great for them. Email has played a huge role in our, in our marketing strategy. It, it continues to do so today. It is our way of staying in touch with our, you know, with our customer base. And, you know, for instance, this morning, um, I did send out an email to all of our customers announcing the subscriptions. We actually, we've been introducing the team members in these emails over the last few months. And this morning was Stephanie's turn to be introduced to everybody. Very cool. Um, anybody that calls or emails, Stephanie is, is usually the one that they'll talk to first. And uh, she's, a, she's a delight. And so she found that funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, email is a huge piece of our marketing because it's, it's one of the most effective ways to to, to maintain a connection with our customers to it's, it's always been important to me that we share our best deals with our customers. Mm, yeah. and, and so I, I want to be able to, you know, share opportunities with them, opportunities to save some money, opportunities to grab a new product or just opportunities to hear what they have to say. If, if there's one thing I'm hearing with all this and it's just in, and this is our interview, not my, time to hand out advice. But I, when I'm hearing this and I'm hearing you talk about this and I know we talked about subscription, I think my biggest thing is I would just, you know, what I think you should do is 
really treat this next subscription process like a membership and treat those people who are subscribed like members and really double down on the value that you deliver to them through specific emails that go to this new group that is bought in financially with a monthly renewable commitments, you know? So just, no, I, I, really <laughs> just respect, I really respect that you see it that way because, you know, it's, it's so important to take care of the people that, you know, believe in you. Yeah. And, uh, really we is. want to make sure that, that they know we appreciate them. And we do try to do little things every now and again. Yeah, totally. Show that appreciation. Yeah, so can you share with the audience what platform do you guys use? Uh, what have you found best um, when it comes to email? You know, here we, we started MailChimp. We actually moved to Clavio uh, about a year ago. We really like that. But I know different strokes for different folks. What are you guys using? Yeah, so we actually use software that's not dissimilar from what you guys do. We, we started with MailChimp as well. We, we chose to move off of MailChimp, not because we disliked it, but we, we wanted to switch to a package that was better integrated into our online shopping platform. Mm. So we use a, pa- we use a, a platform called Springbot. Okay. Uh, Springbot. And cool. it does emails same way that MailChimp does, but it's better integrated into our online store. Uh, yeah. I think it gives me a little bit better visibility into the demographics of our audience and you know it's it's worked out so far. Yeah, that's exactly what we did too. I thought Mailchimp was fine, but you know we wanted something that was a little door, a little more dynamic, especially uh, with the with the online merchandise store, the DMVR Locker. And so yeah, for us, Clavio just ended up you know answering the call on that because we were able to put merchandise directly multiple units directly inside of an email uh, and it made the email kind of a store in itself, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and it's all about making it convenient for customers. Right. Totally. Totally. It's a reminder. It's a convenience. And honestly, you know, you got to love these email marketing tools because you know, what were we doing before? You know, we were sending postcards or letters through traditional mail and just creating waste, you know, creating litter. And you don't want to send out 50,000 postcards and have 49,000 of them thrown away. You know, that's just not responsible and it's not cost effective. But utilizing email, you know, we can communicate more frequently. We can communicate more conveniently the way that, the way that our customers, you know, want to, be, want to be connected with. It's not intrusive. You know, we're all familiar with it. And we, we try to keep it to a reasonable amount. Uh, we try to keep it lighthearted and fun. And I, I think that our customers have appreciated that. Yeah, that's super cool. How do these conversations go when you have a distributor in Israel that wants Strava? Do you just get an email one day or do you just <laughs> see a weird, do you see a weird area code and, and you ask, uh, you know, if you should answer this and someone says, sure. And you answer and it's, 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 you know, Sven from, from Ukraine. I mean, how does this work? Brandon, I know you're asking this in jest as if it's not the truth, <laughs> but it's the truth. Um, we, we get those kind of phone calls. We, we get, you know, somebody reached out from Taiwan the other day. You're right. Uh, we've gotten emails from Hong Kong. Israel, you know, since that, since we brought it up, Israel is there. CBD is accepted as a prescription product in Israel, okay. but they're, they're, they're updating their laws, uh, their regulations. And later on this year, it's going to be available essentially right over the counter. It's going to be available as, you know, as an ingredient as we'd like to see it. And, and so, the people in Israel reached out. They, you know, when you when you look at the landscape around the world for CBD products, there's a very crowded market for many of the traditional 
tinctures and gummies and topicals. There are very few coffees, and yet coffee is this universally accepted, daily consumed, amazing product. And when you when you kind of happen upon the idea of CBD coffee, you know you eventually realize that you know CBD and hemp, CBD and coffee really complement each other very well. And to have a great cup of coffee, it's it's an icebreaker, right? It's a door opener. And we learned, we learned early on that, that coffee made hemp much more approachable, you know, much less threatening to somebody who is not familiar with hemp or CBD, to somebody who might be apprehensive. Coffee is just this beautiful universal way, you know, of sharing a conversation and in fact, sharing a product in a familiar, non-threatening way. Yeah. So it just opens doors just opens doors. I think a lot of people are wondering like, and probably nobody from Colorado because this is so commonplace and CBD really, you know, I think nationally is accepted in even a much different way than it was when you guys launched five years ago. For sure. Um, But uh, with that said, uh, if anybody's wondering, what is your personal preference on marijuana usage? in general like uh, you know some people might think oh this is the you know this is the weed coffee guy you know and and it's it's andrew a mott and he's got a he's doing the interview he's got a bong next to him that would be the you know that would be like what my grandparents my grandparents would probably think that if i if i told them cbd coffee you're obviously very different than what i just (laughs) described right there but but I just, you know, I, I would love for you to just uh, maybe describe yourself to the audience uh, under those, under that lens. <laughs> wow. Where to start with that? <laughs> um, love that. I, I will say that, you know, I grew up on the East Coast just outside of Washington, D.C., right? Okay. So a fairly conservative part of the country. Sure. Weed was not something that was discussed or accepted. But after coming out here to Colorado and, and seeing the good of the industry and the good of the plant, you know, it's really reshaped my thinking. And I think that one of the obstacles for the cannabis industry at large is that, you know, the dominant forms of consumption are still smoking or vaping. Mm-hmm. Um, and now a lot of edibles, some amazing edibles out there in our community. I don't know if you've tried 1906. They do some incredible, incredible infused chocolates. I and, actually um, do. Um, the one that I do is Dixie Elixir, and I'm a huge fan of it, actually. Okay, fantastic. It's incredible. it's incredible, yeah. So when you look at the evolution of the cannabis space, my observation is that, you know, as cannabis moves to be mainstream and more accepted, not just in the U.S., but around the world, you know, we do have some stereotypes to combat. And so long as the dominant forms of consumption, the most public forms of consumption you know, they carry some off-putting qualities. But as soon as we start talking about familiar, comfortable products, like a chocolate bar, like a great cup of coffee, right? These are things that are going to ease, if not accelerate, the acceptance of cannabis into the mainstream. And I think it's really important that we do that because we want this industry to be embraced. We don't want it to be held back by, by misperceptions. You know, it's, it's a healthy plant. It's a helpful plant. It's good. And... I mean, the opportunity just to hand your parents or grandparents a cup of coffee and let them experience for themselves the benefits that it might deliver, right? That's incredible. Yeah, that's so awesome. Totally, totally. Okay, let's go to the final round here. We got three questions for you and then you're off the hook. First one is going to be the most important book to you. 
I was I was talking to Stephanie about this earlier today, and instead of instead of bringing up a book that I've been reading recently, because I'll be honest, I watch a lot more YouTube of late than I read books. But there's a book that I'm really excited to receive in a couple of days. It's called The Silk Roads, and it's another look at history. It's a look at at how you know how international trade has has shaped the world as we know it, uh, the influences of those those early days of trade on the not just the geography but the politics uh, of our world today and I, I i love history but i think history in school is taught very boring and so i really appreciate new perspectives that bring some context to history uh, that it. helps me to really connect with it better so the silk roads is is a book that i'm receiving in a couple of days and i'm super excited to receive it Really cool. Let's go to the most underrated athlete of all time. I'm just going to plead the fifth on this one. I, I'm 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 not going to call anybody out for being under you know underappreciated. I think I'm just going to plead the fifth. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You opted out. I thought I thought about saying you know uh, Michael Phelps's sister. I don't know if he has a sister, but I thought I might send you on a wild goose chase. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Leave it up to the guy that's selling weed coffee to plead the fifth. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, <laughs> CBD coffee should be, should, important note there. It's actually really amazing. A lot of amazing qualities there. Then let's go to the last one, which is the space or the business that you're most excited about in the near future. Oh, that's easy. That is easy. So SpaceX and the commercial, uh, well, rather the- Me too. Yeah, the commercial- progress that has been made to make access to space more affordable not just for commercial you know commercial launch of satellites but of crewed missions and tourist missions you know elon musk has such a captivating dream that he's pursuing and you can't help but kind of get wrapped up in that momentum and that enthusiasm mm -hmm. you know i grew up watching the space shuttle launch on tv you know my uncle worked for nasa and uh, we were always just surrounded by space talk or space memorabilia, you know, but it was always something, you know, distant and remote. And, and here we are in an age where, you know, we all have a legitimate possibility of choosing to go to space within our lifetimes. Love and that. I, I think that that's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I love that too. I'm super into that space. And I think that uh, what SpaceX has done is just absolutely incredible. And I think that you know, Elon Musk is going to, has potentially the chance to go down as the most important person, um, depending on how this thing goes down and, and what we need from him and what's built and where we go. He could potentially be the most important person in the, the history of the world, you know, in the history of this world until he potentially takes us to a different world. <laughs> you know, there, there's something about somebody who, who just, you know, doesn't give up when something, right. something looks impossible. Right. Um, and I think he's, he's proven to us time and again that, you know, what we perceived to be impossible, you know, is, is merely an obstacle to be overcome. And he's done that. Totally. Well, this was an outstanding interview. Thank you so much for the time. You're doing such an amazing job there. It's such a great product. And I can't wait to uh, drink a cold brew right here on Saturday morning when I'm watching the Nuggets here at the bar. <laughs> I'll follow up with you in a couple of minutes to get that going. <laughs> um, it would be our pleasure, and we're so excited to share that uh, with, with everybody who comes into the bar. It's a fantastic place, 
and uh, it's right around the corner from my house, so I know it well, and I expect all, you'll be seeing me over there quite a bit. Thank you so much, man. Talk to you next time. My pleasure, Brandon. Take care. We grind us. It ain't hard to find us. They work it. They work it. They work it. We grind us. It ain't hard to find us. 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 Find us.